It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast for 2023, available every morning on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple, and wherever you get your podcast from on this Sunday morning, March the 12th. Hope the weekend is going well. A full day to recuperate if you had a busy one yesterday before we launch into a brand new week tomorrow. And coming up, we're going to take a look back over the last seven days. And boy, what a week it was, including the rate rise on Tuesday. We also talk with Hannah Rolette, a New Zealand economist. She tells us about the real pain that New Zealand is going through as a result of Cyclone Gabriel. Also, Michelle is here and she's talking about the luxury housing market to tell us how Australia is fearing in the high-end property market. Tanya Steinbeck is also talking about under-occupied properties, which is a huge headache in Western Australia. And Tara Kelly talks about the Brisbane market and whether auctions are handled any differently by a woman. And she also talks about five suburbs that you can buy in Brisbane under $500,000. So that is all coming up this morning. It's your weekend real estate podcast. We are just as addicted to property as you are. The Real Estate Podcast. And don't forget, starting soon is your opportunity to jump on the Real Estate Podcast with me. Tell me a couple of things that might be on your mind when it comes to real estate. We are calling it breakfast at your place so all you have to do is send in an email with your mobile phone number very important and the email is my real estate podcast at gmail.com now if you're celebrating your birthday today for sunday the 12th of march happy birthday to you if you're blowing out the candles liza minnelli is also joining you of course the actor and singer she's turning 76 And James Taylor, the singer and guitarist, is turning 74 and... Finn Jones, the British actor, he is turning 33 today. It's the main centre forecast. And around the country, let's check on that all-important Sunday weather. And in Sydney, unfortunately, some showers to increase during the day. Expect a high of 27. In Melbourne, one or two showers with 21. And in Brisbane today, expecting some showers also. Temperature not too bad with 31. Degrees and the place to be for the sunshine, you guessed it, Western Australia in Perth. Plenty of blue sky and your expected high of 31 degrees. Enjoy your morning coffee. It's your real estate weekend podcast in review. Things were bad enough for you guys, and then came along Cyclone Gabriel. And I think a lot of Australians this morning, whilst they have seen the pictures coming out of New Zealand for that devastation that it caused, they might not be aware of just how bad the destruction and devastation on the people in the affected areas has been. And then there is the whole economic tragedy it's going to cause long term. Craig, we're really getting hit from all sides here. It's really too early to tell the true cost that Cyclone Gabriel is going to have on New Zealand and New Zealanders but it's already being compared to the Christchurch earthquake. 
So the costs for the government could be in the order of 10 billion or more. And insured losses are also likely to be 10 billion or more. But that's just the direct cost we're talking about. So that's to rebuild the houses, that's to rebuild the infrastructure. But there's also indirect costs, which are likely to be much bigger than just that. So we're talking about production shocks, which will mostly affect horticulture and agriculture. So you're talking, you know, your meat and your veg. And this will likely increase the price of these products over and above what we're already seeing from general inflation. We'll also see a shock to local rent markets affected by the cyclone, as well as neighboring rental markets, which will probably increase rent prices for the people living in and around those areas. And one of the things here is that residential consent numbers, which are heading downward. In New Zealand, the residential consent numbers are expected to plunge by almost 30% as higher building costs, of course, just make things unviable. Yeah, and it's not just higher building costs either. So builders and developers are less incentivized to actually provide the houses because of the fact that their prices are falling. So the maths right now just doesn't add up for them. It's your Real Estate Weekend podcast in review. All sorts of numbers indicating that we as a country compared to other countries are too expensive, but I think you've got some numbers. So how do Australia cities compare for value for money? Yeah, look, you know, when we're talking about the core market, we are incredibly expensive compared to other global cities. But when we're talking about this top end of the market where as a country, we're still maturing in this prestige luxury space. So the way that we like to compare cities around the world is we take an, imag- an imaginary check of, of uh, 1 million US dollars and all of us researchers come together and we try to understand how much luxury internal floor space you could buy with that 1 million US dollars. And really, when you look at our prestige home, homes uh, in Australia. We certainly have much bigger floor plates than other places around the world, but you can buy 117 square metres of uh, luxury internal floor space on the Gold Coast. So if you compare that to Monaco, you can effectively buy 100 uh, square metres less with only 17 square metres with that $1 million check. Looking to the you know the market of Sydney, obviously, you know, 25% of our ultra wealthy population live in Sydney and you can buy 44 square metres with that $1 million US check. So we are relatively cheap when you're talking about this very top end of the market. Mm, yeah, Monaco, oh, to have money to be able to buy in Monaco. It is the benchmark for wealth, that is for sure. And uh, let me ask you this, uh, with the amazing price growth in residential, many are looking towards the long-term markers for continuing that growth. So how does the top end of the residential market perform, let's say, in a few years from now? Yeah, look, I guess the the, the the starting point is probably for 2023. There's there's so much uncertainty at the moment. It's important to sort of understand where we're going um, and whether the, the prestige market is going to see, I guess, as much dip um, as the, the core or mainstream market. And we don't actually expect um, to see too much of a, a fall over the 2023 year. We do expect the Gold Coast to still be the, the strongest performer just because of relative value. And we've seen a lot more migration moving up to the Gold Coast. Now, we know that our old 
ultra-wealthy population is also quite optimistic and 65% are expecting their wealth to further grow in 2023. So by, um, you know, come 2024, uh, we do expect um, to see, you know, quite sustainable and healthy growth again in this t- prestige, you know, top end of the market. It's your Real Estate Weekend podcast in review. The vast majority of housing stock or established housing stock that we have here in Perth is four by two homes. And what we need desperately is more one and two bedroom, either apartments or dwellings. And so because our stock is very much weighted towards the four bedroom, two bathroom property, we're now seeing a significant level of under occupation with, you know, a single person uh, rolling around in a three or four bedroom property because that's that's the majority of the stock that we have available. When we're in an environment where we're, we have a severe skills shortage, we're trying to attract people back to the state as every other state in Australia is, is equally trying to do at the moment. It's incredibly inefficient to have a significant number of homes that are un- under-occupied to the extent that they are. And I guess to compound all of this, it does come at a time when it's really just a bit of a perfect storm with what is going on. As you say, we've got this problem of very little housing choice, record low rental vacancy rates too, which is adding to the problem, a shortfall in established residential stock and serious delays to new construction. So you can see how much of a mountain of a problem that all is. Oh, it's it's incredible. We're not alone here in Western Australia. I mean, we're, we're battling with similar challenges all around the country. We're in a situation here uh, where it's very much chicken in the egg, where we're out there um, trying to promote Western Australia and, and Perth as uh, the place to come and work because we have such a significant skills shortage and we don't have the, the people to be able to build the houses or apartments or, or whatever sort of accommodation um, that's required. We don't have anywhere for these people to live. We need the workers, but our level of supply is at such a crisis level. We don't have sufficient housing choice for these people to be able to be accommodated. Enjoy your morning coffee. It's your Real Estate Weekend podcast in review. But in saying that, the value hasn't dropped as much as the media makes out. I think, um, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to say that, you know, things are bar- there's bargains out there and et cetera. I haven't yet seen that, particularly in, in that sort of 10K radius of Brisbane City. I believe the values are still there. Whilst there's definitely less properties on the market, there's still that inquiry level. And it's certainly over the last few months been building it's exciting to think that 2023 might be a really good year for real estate, even though media has sort of said otherwise. Mm, you've got to watch the media, Tara. <laughs> they, are, they, they can definitely um, cause a little bit of a stir for us in the real estate industry. Yeah. So Brisbane's median house price uh, over a number of years really has made it easier for first home buyers to get into the market there. Now, that has changed, of course, with the new median house pricing. But still, we have a lot of first home buyers wanting to get in. You no doubt have friends that are in that younger demographic. What are they telling you? 
Yeah, it's it's certainly a lot harder to get into the industry. I remember 13 years ago, I bought my first home at 18. It was pretty easy as long as you had, you know, that that decent deposit. Nowadays, obviously, prices have, have gone up. Um, deposits, you know, banks require a bigger deposit. There's more auctions, so it's probably a little bit more daunting for our first home buyers. Although I'm, I'm seeing that there's a lot of help from parents, which is great. I think parents are giving their kids an opportunity to, to, um, get into that real estate market at a young age by helping them with that deposit, which is which is really good. I mean, it is very very difficult if you are a first home buyer without any help. I think, unfortunately, over the next couple of years, there'll be grants um, etc. that come in that hopefully will help that situation and and get our youngsters into the market. Yeah, so that's all really good points that you're making around first home buyers. And the good news is that there are some Brisbane suburbs that are under 500k. In fact, we've got five of them, including Acacia Ridge, Mount Warren Park, Deegan, Strathpine and Alexandra Hill. So, I mean, there's a bit of good news there, isn't there, that there are these suburbs that are under that $500,000 price range. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's still a lot of opportunity in the market for for that price range. And, you know, those suburbs aren't that far from Brisbane and the suburbs in themselves have, you know, all the amenity that you need with shops. They're not remote. We're not talking, you know, we're not talking country towns. These are built up suburbs, great schools around the areas. So it's certainly an awesome opportunity to get into the market. And at that price, um, you know, it makes it very attractive. And what about auctions versus private treaty? Now, there are people that will kind of be weighing an auction over a private treaty or vice versa. What's going on in the market with that whole question? Because it's always a big question to ask. Absolutely. Well, I might be a bit biased um, being an auctioneer. A bit, but a lot. <laughs> I, look, I truly believe auction is still and will, will always be the best process to sell a home for the vendor and the buyer. I just love the transparency of it. I think that auction day, you know, you really can't hide behind anything. Everything's on the table. Um, I think especially at the moment, I mean, last year, you, you know, it was bid, 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 buy, and, and it made our job very easy. Um, this year, there's, there's a little bit more negotiation involved. But I think, you know, it's a four week campaign. I think buyers know that auction day is auction day. They have four weeks to get ready for it and prepare with the banks, etc. I think the vendor also from their perspective um, gets time to, to sort of see where the market's at um, without having to put a price out there from the get go. And of course, auction day, I think our last weekend we had 78% clearance. So whilst there's less stock in the market, our clearance rates auction wise are still very high. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 